Welcome, Chop Shop listeners. As much to our surprise, it seems even New Zealand is having a normal one with the rest of us. So if you're feeling like, you know, you should be like crawling up the walls or something, or that the world is totally collapsing all around you, you know, take heart, because even New Zealand is losing their shit. Oh god, what did they do? So, as of, and this was on May 13th of the New Zealand Herald, there had been a total of 14 reporting, reported incidents of uh, somebody attempting to, like, torch 5G cell towers. Because, according to them, 5G was causing COVID. Oh, jeez. Look... I mean, it's really, really important for everyone out there to refrain from damaging 5G towers. Do you know why? Because I want... I want my fucking waifu. Okay? If I don't... (laughs) If I don't get my pull, I get very angry. (laughs) I get very, very upset. And if I find out that you've been disrupting some well, yeah, service just around don't. me. <laughs> just take heart in that, you know, <laughs> not that we're saying go out and burn cell towers. That's a, obviously a terrible idea. But, you know, New Zealand is having a normal one, too. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it is so fucking ridiculous. So, yeah, welcome to the Chop Shop. I'm Ms. Silver, uh, my co-host. I am Dr. Spider. Um, St. Helen is currently out because the air conditioning water supply pipe ruptured over the machine room. Um. (laughs) (sighs) Like, yeah, she's, she's having her issues right now. It sucks. Yeah. I hope I hope things get better for her. So if you're listening, good luck. Good luck. Good luck. So, um, those of you who participate on our Discord might have noticed that we are we changed it up a little. Um, we have all those rumors of such and such channels. Um, and with that, um, we are trying out a, a new structure for the pod. And it's as much that as it was something that was sort of like, you know, it came to St. Helen in a waking vision oh, of yes. bringing forth all of these pronouncements we're seeing from the market from like the high priests of capitalism as they're standing in their pontifexal robes. And creating like their hierophantiful uh, staves and large, long and hard wooden objects that that there are indeed four four great 
horsemen who are bringing forth the capitalist apocalypse that has now been unfolding on us. And we've been kind of, you know, riffing on this, like, apocalypse shit for a bit. Um, But, you know, uh, we may as well just, you know, embrace it. This is the capitalist apocalypse. Uh, This doesn't mean, you know, shit's going to go totally fall out or whatever, but right now, like, the... The word apocalypse means unveiling or revelation, like the book of revelations. So it's kind of more the veil has been torn aside. Everything that is this mess that is modern capitalism is being exposed in ways people can't ignore. And its four heralds are the four horsemen. And it surprisingly fits these days, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, and for those who particularly pay attention to the sacred texts, you will remember that there is another character that comes with the Four Horsemen. For as it says in uh, the good book of bad things, hell follows. Yeah. And what could be more hellish if you are living in a capitalist apocalypse than the hints of what will bring down this whole rotten mess. Like, yeah, let's let's do it. So we got just for those listening at home, so you can keep up. Since you've already got a long list of like crazy ass shit, like suicide cult and murder cult, to keep track of. Um, here are Market Fairy. Though we haven't been talking about her lately, since she's been kind of. They they, they 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 took her down to the river. Yeah. You know, it was it was all very like you know Hallmark and shit. So, so like it, it'll probably be like an award-winning young adult novel someday. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So let's see what we've got here. What so order we got, shall we introduce this in? <laughs> well, the order, of course, that they released themselves, as we revealed in the Grand Number Revival Hour. The four horsemen that ride are pestilence, war, famine, and death. Our first friend, the white rider of pestilence, brings with it news of the pandemic, of healthcare, and of all other things that sort of are tied in with that. Yeah. Of the unleashing of sickness upon the land. And it's like, ah, I can't even go to the doctor anymore because I'm scared that something horrible will happen to me. Like, I get COVID or something, and I really need to go to the doctor. Things like that. Um, war. Um, it isn't just, like, literal war. It, it's other things. It's conflict, trade war, market instability, class war. Class war is big. Class war oh, yeah. is coming back. There's a reason those guillotine memes are trending on Twitter, kids. Oh, yes. There is a reason Chris Matthews was so scared of being sent to Central Park. And, of course, <laughs> riding close behind the Red Horseman of War is the Black Horseman of Famine. Oh, yes. The one who carries the scales. 
And this isn't just things like the ongoing food crisis that is absolutely devastating supply chains and we're going to and causing all kinds of havoc, particularly in the United States. Though it certainly does. But it also is things like other famines, like price shocks or supply shortages or things just drying up. We talked about this in one of the very first episodes. Um, Samsung had like a minute long disruption and the DRAM and flash markets went promptly to hell because they lost so much goddamn production from a minute's stop of production. This is famine. Everything is tied together in this world. And you can argue about whether that was a good strategy or not. I don't think it was. Um, I think we should have decentralized a lot of this production. Um, you know, we don't have to centralize everything for efficiency's sake. But yeah. that's near here nor there. We we now live in this world of famine, where the market says you can't have this thing because. The factories don't exist anymore. They all got sold to China or they got sent to Alabama. And But production of XYZ got sent, sent to China or something. And so now nothing gets done. Yeah. And of course, last but not least, Miss Silver, will you introduce the lovely Pale Rider? Death companies going under markets crashing industries shriveling up and all those goddamn dev cultists screaming about how karen needs you to die for her goddamn nail salon or her ski dealership all those fucking sickos or shit like the tories cramming everyone into the tube so that oh, they can yes. get them back to work. All that. Or even just like the let them fucking die shit of the Democrats waffling on stimulus because they thought three trillion sounded better than five. Yeah. Yeah. And Republicans are all like, oh no, we, we're still looking at how the mewing mouth horse shit. Shut the fuck up and pass it. So those are the four horsemen who ride. And yes. we'll be following in their wreckage and their wake. Oh yes. This is this is our time now. You know, we <laughs> I mean rupture is not here yet, but you can see it from here. You can absolutely see it from here. And we have to replace them for the sake of everyone. Territories, peoples, authorities, all shall be liberated, just as the prophets of Belka said. All that has been revealed was always there. It's just up to you as to what you do with it. So let's begin then with the news of the White Rider. Oh, yes. Pestilence. Reopening day! It's reopening day. Everything is open again. Um, 
but I mean, there's something a little strange about all this. Like, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like anything's reopened. It's Why like that? <laughs> I don't know. Like, maybe it's because nobody wants to go out and fucking die. Maybe it's because seventy-five to eighty percent of the American public and similar numbers in other places that have been polled are like, yes, we support shelter in place because we don't want to fucking like have our lungs turn into jelly and die horribly on a hospital bed um or whatever the fuck other random shit like stroking out or whatever happens i mean you know heart attacks and, and you know people don't have because people had to like eat a paycheck and wait for their unemployment or their trump bucks or whatever it is that's paying them i still so haven't gotten my work... trump bucks uh, i'm not expecting my trump bucks at all like they're probably going to be like somewhere in the atlantic ocean um yeah this rate at this rate Fucking i mean like I, I i'm pretty sure it got lost somewhere when they were loading it for like you know shipment off to like the wild northern wastes of scotland like they probably got like ambushed somewhere but um oh jeez did scotrail get ambushed or something no i think it might be you know scottish pirates because you know fuck it (laughs) (laughs) they they have the best accents for it oh yes i mean there was there was even a book written about all this um kim mcleod's the sky road yep so yeah so yeah nobody's going out and spending money people who had money are either waiting for money to come in from somewhere else or they're saving that money or they're spending it only on absolutely essential stuff they're definitely like people who might have like you know service workers aren't getting tipped so they don't have that like you know you finish your shift and you have that especially shitty ass karen at table seven so you and your buddies pop down to the local dive and blow your tips on getting absolutely toasted you know like no one's going out and doing shit like that so it's like it's not just like you know the karens aren't getting their hair did it's also that like the people who are like dealing with the fucking karens are don't have any money to spend on that on things that are not related to like you know buying fucking ramen yeah the at the very least they're drinking alone yeah they're not (laughs) they're not getting wasted on a bar they're Um, they're getting wasted on their couch with their housemates (laughs) or like Like everyone chips in to buy a 30 pack and then everyone drinks it yeah i mean i mean on one hand you know it's not the worst thing ever, because, I mean, at least now, like, people that previously would have been castigated as alcoholics are now, like, doing their part, so. Yeah. Dudes rock. <laughs> like, all these people that are coming out saying, reopen the economy, and there's actually even lockdown protests happening in the UK now. Oh, Jesus. Well, you know, Brexit and Bojo happened there, so, you know. Yeah. Airstrip one. It's Airstrip one. A camera on every corner so you know it was only a matter of time really um before that particular plague was catching but like they're all like running around like it like the economy's fucking disneyland or something that they can just be like right i would like one day at the economy please yeah and uh, all, all those like to do is like you know turn the key 
disable the lockout and the ride we call the economy will shoot forward. Mm-hmm. With the usual, you know, trains flying off the rails, small children getting crushed, you know, all those things still happening. But, you know, that's the price of admission. Oh, yes. But, you know, it doesn't work that way. Like, we've said this before. We're probably going to say this every single fucking week until, like, I don't know, the podcast militias are mobilized or something. Um, this economic crash was coming without COVID. COVID just made it way worse and way faster. Yeah. Like, it wasn't the cause. It was the trigger. If it wasn't COVID, it would have been something else. It could have just been something as simple as the supply chain shock. Like, if it just stayed contained in Wuhan, we'd be in the middle of a serious recession anyway. Oh, yeah. We were discussing this before the show, so... Yeah. The thing Uh, is, is I'm wondering now, like, how do these people think the economy is going to return? How big do they think the promised recovery is going to be? Well, we have it from our buddy Larry. God damn it, Larry. And, you know, this isn't quite a Roxo moment, but he's getting there. He's getting there. I mean, actually, you know, I'm going to take it back. I don't think he's going to go Roxo because I think this clip shows he's actually switched from cocaine to heroin. So let's see what Larry is promising. Or, you know what? Maybe he's mixing his meds. I mean, that would make as much sense as anything else. Let's see what Larry's got to say. Let's talk about those devastating job numbers. The president said on Friday that all these jobs will be back. Is that a realistic promise? Is that a promise the president can keep? Well, look, um, several things. Number one, uh, as bad as those job numbers were, and I don't want to sugarcoat it because I I, I think the numbers for May are going to be also very difficult numbers. It's going to take a while uh, for the reopening to have an impact. So there's that. Uh, The second point is, inside the numbers, there's a glimmer of hope. Uh, I don't want to downplay the numbers, mind you, but there's a glimmer of hope. Uh, We had um, about 80% of it was furloughs and temporary layoffs. That, by the way, doesn't assure that you'll go back to a job, but it suggests strongly that the cord between the worker and the business is still intact. I I think, hopefully, that has something to do Uh, with the $3 trillion of assistance, including the payroll protection plan. You know, all in on this, um, we're probably including the Federal Reserve's operations and the budget and fiscal work that President Trump has led with the bipartisan congressional votes. We probably had, George, $9 trillion worth of assistance going to 175 million individuals it's a remarkable plan to attempt to stabilize a very 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 difficult situation what we've done may not be 100 percent perfect you know these things happen uh once every 100 years but the overall picture is we've created a massive uh health and safety infrastructure to deal with the pandemic here in the united states and judging from the results uh, where there has been a flattening in the in, in the rate of growth of infection rates and mortality rates. It's working, so we're preparing to reopen the economy. And when we do, I think, uh, according to the Congressional Budget Office and a bunch of private surveys, we're going to see a very strong second half of the year. 
probably 20% economic growth. Uh, policies that were in place on lower taxes and lower regulations are still in place. We may expand on those policies uh, with the Congress. Next year, 2021, could be a tremendous snapback in the U.S. economy. So I'm going to leave President Thanks. Obama alone. I just want to make the case that I think is the prevailing consensus case right now. Larry Kudlow, thanks very much for your time this morning. Appreciate it. So, yeah, cocaine or heroin, or both? I'm... I think he's taking the edge off the coke with a touch of heroin, a little vodka. Um, not too much, though. Not maybe too some, much. I mean, maybe some quaaludes in there? I mean, that's mm -hmm. a Wall Street drug. Oh, yes. But um, the problem is, is twenty percent growth. And where, where, where is that going to come from? Not from the drug cocktail that's making Ozzy Osbourne flinch. Yeah, I mean, it's like, good God, man! Like, how the do you, do you even understand what's fucking going on? Do you thirty-six million people unemployed right now. You can't just switch on the economy and expect them all to go to back to work. It doesn't work that way. Like, no economy has ever grown by 20% in one quarter. Like, period. Yeah. I that mean, if it did, happen. that would be like... That would be like, I don't know, us discovering Tiberium or something. Yeah, that this would be like we have stumbled on the fucking vibranium mine, and there you go. Yeah, like this. This is like France just farted out cold fusion levels of growth. Like it yeah. it won't ha it won't happen. So wherever the fuck it is, he's getting this idea that the economy is just going to explode that much. But like, people, people want to go to Applebee's. They want to go to Applebee's. They want... Karen wants you to die for Red Lobster. Like, isn't that just really important right now? I you know, actually, get 20% out of that. <laughs> I, 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 actually, I think I know where he's going to get... I think I know where he's getting this from. I think I just figured it out. It's not the drugs. It's not that he is, like, a total, like, fucking pudding-brained moron. No, no, no. This is where it's coming from. Because, like, I bet you he's probably listened to a couple of episodes and been like, you know what? Maybe the best way to figure out what the fuck is really going on, because I'm totally in over my head here in the middle of this total shit show. I was just supposed to be a talking head on Fox Business until I retired. Um, mm -hmm. Is he went, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to consult with Dark Powers. I'm going to perform wicked and blasphemous rites so that I can, like, soothsay the future. And then he went and did it and talked to, like, you know, fucking Beelzebub or, like, some other, like, fucking liar, like the king in the yellow or something. It's like, God damn it, Larry. I know we've already had the drug talk, but do we really have to have the Eldritch Abominations one, too? Yeah, don't. Do not negotiate with a fae like that. Good God. Yet Cthulhu is not there to have staring contests, Larry. We've tried. Yes. 
And don't don't ask for favors like this from the Fae. They'll tell you what you want to hear, and then next thing you know, half the country has disappeared into the Neverlands. Not like, that Neverlands, the other one. It's like if you're meeting like Larry, I know you're desperate, but you know, long conversations with strange men at crossroads who smell faintly of rotten eggs has never really helped anyone unless you're like a blues musician. So, I don't know. Come on. Maybe, maybe we're all supposed to become blues with, uh, musicians. Maybe we're all supposed to sell our souls for blues musician success. We all just oh, perform blues music to each other. Oh, come on. That's, uh, that's how uh, the uh, economy will work now. Well, well at, at Chop Shop, we're the ones who are going to negotiate the blues devil down to giving us a $5 Hot Topic gift card. Yeah! <laughs> With apologies to Brandon Smalls. So yeah, um, but yeah, I mean that's the only thing that makes sense is that he went and like sat down with like the one with a thousand faces and like cut some kind of abominable deal, and then of course they lied to him because they went, dude, you're a fucking pudding brain moron who has like, done enough drugs to get Keith Richards to, like, consider the benefits of sobriety. Um. This is gonna be great. Oh, Jesus. Like, we've already got his (laughs) boss. That was easy. Ah. So that, my friends, is pestilence. Now we bring forth the Red Rider of war. So, you know how a bunch of chains and such, um, they had like some temporary pay bumps for like hazard pay or hero pay. Um, and then they took it back. And in one case, I... <laughs> One case I fucking saw, they were like, oh, we overpaid you. Um, how would you like this taken out of your check? If you don't respond to this letter, like, right now, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna send the fucking bill collectors out of you, uh, after you. Like, we, uh, we want, like, you know, almost 500 bucks from you. And, and this shit is like, and this isn't even that much. Like, fucking Kroger's grocery store. Like, their idea of hero pay was, like, another two bucks an hour, which, you know, if you're, like, fucking bagging groceries at Kroger's or, like, working the meat counter with, like, what's left of the meat department and the, like, you know, five pounds of extremely sad gray, whatever the fuck that is in the corner, that's, like, neat. So I don't have to sell my kidneys this month to pay the rent. It's like they're like, okay, we'll we'll give you like a treat so that you don't do a revolution when everybody's talking about spending their Trump bucks on guillotines. I mean twelve hundred is enough to buy you a pretty nice guillotine. Yeah. It was as a treat. So that's kind of like what they're doing, is they're like, no, no more treaties for, you know, 
the working class who are keeping us from fucking dying in this fam- in this total like mad fuck crisis yeah it's just like you're no longer photogenic and you're not driving our PR anymore so fuck you um, especially since some of you had the temerity to strike you disgusting pigs so you know fuck you we're, we're clawing it back but when we said hero, we meant you were supposed to just, like, stand around and wave and smile and accept a medal. We didn't think you were actually going to be like, oh, yeah, you mean, like, all those, like, young adult novels that have the protagonist standing up against the horrible and fucked up corrupt asshats in charge? Mm-hmm. No, Oops. yeah. I mean, it's like, they want... They want to feed everybody Harry heroes. Potter and Cat. They don't want to... They don't want to pay living workers, you see. Mm-hmm. It's like, after the PR is done, they want you to feel like you're a hero while they send you to the trenches to die. Yep. And so, that, and that's all this was, was them going like, shit, here's like a pat on the head. Because we're recognizing that, and we'll get way more into this in a little bit later, that you know there's more strikes happening now than there ever have since like the 1930s in the united states oh labor militancy is through the roof so you know it's not surprising that the first reaction these guys like these absolute fucking ghouls is going to have is to go fuck you yeah and then um then there's all the shit that went down in michigan Ah, good God! Oh yeah, that, that that legitimately scares me. Like that, like, I, I'm glad it came to nothing in the end. But it's well, so far this is so far, just, so far. Like this, tomorrow is another day. They still have all their rifles and such. Like they're not going away. It's 2020. We're not even halfway through the year yet. So you know this, yeah. like. And just this shit in Michigan that's so insane is that you have you have literally like strip away all the place name references. The headline is armed pro-government paramilitary forces shut down of provincial legislature headed by opposition party executive. Yeah, yeah. This sounds like, you know, like... <laughs> benighted polity on the edge of the Russian continent sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, th- this is shit that's like fucking bushwhackers flooding into Kansas from Missouri to shoot anti-slavery farmers and shit. I mean, it's not quite yeah. that level, but this is like having... Like, that's really is the last time you were seeing in American history the large bodies of armed people. Well, like that and, like, Reconstruction, where large bodies of armed people were effectively nullifying the actions of the government. Yeah. And... I and mean, it, it. it's... The whole it's just, thing is basically just... It's basically the husbands of a bunch of Karen going 
we need you to die for our nail salon. Um, well, like, I-, I think these ones are, like, the male variant of the species. Like, even though, like, the oh, female yeah, Karen yeah. is, like, the most known and celebrated um, example, th- there is, you know, the lesser-known male Karen, known as the Jeff. Um, Thanks, Jeff. Jesus. So, we've got, yeah. And it's like the fact that i mean in this is a textbook like case for why governors have this thing called the national guard and state troopers and shit so i mean even though like nobody's died yet this is this means that you know any other lockdown militias or whatever that exist in the united states or other places are now gonna be really feeling their oats even though they can barely, like, march in a straight line. Yeah. I mean, even though they barely... They barely even know how to strap on a plate carrier. I mean, I assure you, their guns fucking work. And all they need is the element of surprise. Yeah. Like... like they, they can basically space marine this shit. Yeah, I'm... I'm I'm sorry, but, like, you know... Like, that versus most local police departments, they could space marine this shit in the sense of they don't really need to actually be that competent. They just have a sufficient equipment edge that they'll most likely win because they put enough of deadly rounds in the right area with a more powerful weapon. Yeah, I mean, that's... Like, that's how they... That's how they stopped the North Hollywood um, robbers. Um, like, yeah, they had automatics. Um, they had a whole bunch of them. And they were able to hold off the police for, like, an hour. And eventually it got to the point where they commandeered some AR-15s and shot them in the foot. And that's how they took them down. Yeah. So this like, is... Yeah. Now imagine if there's not two of those fucking idiots, but like twenty of them, fifty of them, a hundred of them. Then it's like, where are you going to find the people to take back the the state capital? Because now it's no longer a question of holding it. Um, I'm sorry, three guys with. Three guys with Glocks and a shotgun between them are not going to overcome a hundred idiots throwing throwing five by six downrange, you know, with every bullet labeled occupant. Like, no, that's that's not how this works. I'm I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but that's not how it works. Like. That would be a major escalation. I'm pretty scared of it. Like, um, but that's where we are. Yeah, this is territory where the governor would be not not going to say this would necessarily work because I wouldn't be surprised if a substantial chunk of the people who are in the capital are National Guard. Um, but this is like a situation where the governor would be justified in calling out the National Guard to back up the state police and arresting all of them. Um, 
They haven't, which means someone's going to do this again, but bigger. Yeah. Or at least try to, but... And it's like, it's kind of a no-win situation, because to the far-right media machine, like, oh, they took away the peaceful militia protesters' guns and arrested them all and treated them harshly. Like, okay, we need uh, we need to go uh, we need to go shoot a bunch of cops now. We we need to escalate. We need to we need to overwhelm them. Yeah, well, well and we got to remember the far right doesn't like if it's something they could spin as like, oh no, those poor martyrs for gun rights and freeze peaches and shit, then they'll yeah. try to do that. But we do also know, and we actually kind of know this from a similar thing that happened in California very recently, where, that when the far right legitimately gets creamed, they like you know Charlottesville, they turn around and just sort of try to pretend nothing happened and hopes everyone will just forget about it. <laughs> yeah, um, pretty. Much. And, and this actually like pretty recently like around the same time as these other lockdown protests which really escalated in michigan there was a big one on may 1st with the other ones in sacramento in the state capital california and the california highway patrol arrested 32 people and ordered them to disperse because fuck you you're in violation of state lockdown orders the end and you don't see like i mean it got mentioned in like the right-wing press but it's not like this whole oh these poor like they're getting their liberties trampled gavin newsom is like fucking joseph stalin or anything like that they're just kind of like yeah we're just not gonna mention that our brave warriors got like completely like fucking pwned because someone who was willing to actually tell them to go fuck off did yeah i mean it's like what I'm saying is that, like, that's that's an escalation. And, like, I have been worried about the prospect of civil war for a while now. And, unfortunately, one of the triggers could very well be that. But, I mean, you're right. Like, if the, if the state, you know, displays main force and, you know, shuts it down early and decisively enough, then, like, the far right has nothing to work with. And so yeah. they just kind of slink away. Instead, um. <laughs> they went with, like, the worst possible, especially because, like, the fucking footage of the people who showed up to, like, shut down the Capitol, there was, like, 50 guys yeah, tooling around in their tactical shit. It wasn't an army that was going to take over the legislature or anything. So they got, like, the, like, if they had actually called their bluff in the way that, like, you know, the Italians could have called, like, fucking Mussolini's March on Rome. And if they had, it would have been a shit show and completely fallen apart. Like, if they'd actually called their bluff, it would have fallen apart. But instead, they went, oh, shit, and suspended the session. So the far right was basically rescued from their own stupidity, really. Yeah, like, they won in the the same way that they won in Oregon, where they basically had to, like, cancel a bunch of bills just so that, you know... A bunch of the state legislatures, uh, a bunch of the state congressmen would like return, and they'd have quorum, and they could pass like, you know, must pass, um, basically state budget bills, if um, basically they would just like discard everything else on the agenda, and 
I mean, it was probably the right call, but it did hand them a victory, and now they're they're filling their oats. Like, yeah, like Robert, Robert should... Evans talks about this. Uh, there was a really good episode of Worst Year Ever if you want to like really hear about that, but. Yeah. So this was like this just makes domestic shit worse just as Donald Trump has decided to turn on the sausage grinders. Oh god. Yeah, they're getting into a spat because basically so basically we just sold them a bunch of microcontrollers to Huawei, but um, Huawei can't accept delivery of them because the Trump administration has seized them, um, partly as leverage in their um, trade war. Now, like I, I, uh, as like you know, as it's... a computer scientist, like I'm already pretty pissed at Huawei because of. What amounts to like IETF drama, um, the teal deer of which is basically um, it's not appropriate to send new proposals for um, the arrangement of the internet protocol to the ITU. That is something that is handled by the IETF, is supposed to be handled by the IETF. Like, internet governance is not a political football. So I'm already mad at Huawei for that. But because Trump did this, now they're like threatening to put basically a whole bunch of, uh, a whole bunch of of US entities on what amounts to a blacklist. And, And this is really, what's so fucking dumb about this is you can see this sort of, as a natural escalation of Trump's, like, neo-privateering policy of, Mm -hmm. like, when he's not, like, seizing PPE from state governments and hospitals, he's, like, seizing PPE off of runways that's bound for France and Germany and having, like, the French government literally calling him a pirate. Um, Yeah. This, I mean, if you look at it in that lens, then this makes perfect sense that Trump would be like, well, all they did was complain when i pulled this shit so they're not gonna do anything if i literally do a piracy on a thing that's going to probably end up coming back to my own fucking country on the next boat anyway (laughs) in a different package yeah like this is like spain hiring privateers to attack the treasure fleet yeah and this is happening in the middle of like basically existing negotiations for a new trade deal um, where China was basically hoping for a de-escalation of this and Trump. Like there are factions within the administration and all that, that do want a little bit of reconciliation and maybe consider backing off on some of the tariffs so that, you know, the global economy keeps going, but Trump Trump is not about that. Yeah. Trump is about that pirate life. He's just, yeah, he's just following that level of whatever the last thing somebody said to him and seizing people's shit. He's gotten away with it. 
and mm-hmm. it lets him look tough and like strong businessman Trump. Stand up to China Trump. Good business Trump. Yes. Yes, I mean, all of this is just... He needs to... He needs to be seen as doing something. Is the thing. And he will blow up a fucking trade agreement to do this. Like, even though it's a really stupid fucking way to retake control. Because like you said, it's going to blow up a trade war. This is exactly the shit that caused the Great Depression to go from a very serious economic crisis into full-scale global meltdown. Like, if you didn't have the much more mild smoot hall compared to a full-scale I-am-seizing-your-shit-at-the-docks kind of crap that Trump is pulling, raising tariffs is kind of mild. Um, So, (laughs) (laughs) like, that basically choked out global trade in an economy, a global economy that was way less hyper-specialized and dependent on globe-spanning supply chains to function. Whereas this one, like, literally, you choke out, like, the East Asian market, you're going to be choking out, like, manufacturing and assembly period. Yeah, like, the whole, um, so I talked about the blacklist earlier, um, but, like, among the entities, because this is primarily a slap bite over Huawei, um, they're like, okay, we're going to investigate Apple, um, and Apple, as we've discussed earlier um, in the show, um, you know, earlier in, like, the podcast universe, um, we uh, we discussed that, like, <sighs> Apple right now is really suffering from the supply chain disruption. They, they can't afford um, New China going, yeah, we're shutting you down, we're shutting Qualcomm down. Um, we're going to investigate you and you basically can't do anything. Like, that's that's a huge thing for them. That yeah. would legitimately hurt them. And that, I don't know that it would immediately kill them, but... I think uh, in this situation, China has a lot more capacity to take a hit and keep going than the United States does. Yeah, and I like, don't think Trump is, appreciates that. Like, what are they going to do? Send all of this to Taiwan? Like, yeah, they're sending some capacity there. Like, there are fabs in Taiwan and South Korea that could take up some of the slack, but that this isn't like this isn't like an episode of The things. Apprentice. This isn't like it's going to get wrapped up in a nice, neat bow where trump gets to turn around and say somebody's fired that's been pre-ordained by the network to be fired um yes this isn't that this is like if you're going to reorient towards other like suppliers and assemblers and manufacturers that's a multi-year process that's something that would take a deliberate sustained economic policy that you could that a fucking ghoulish like neolib asshole could even even they could do that you know except trump has the attention span of a lobotomized goldfish so 
that's definitely not going to happen, period. It certainly won't be happening in the span of this trade negotiation. And China has way more capacity to be like, that's adorable. We're going to, like, fuck your economy now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, what? Well, and it's like, you know, on the the whole war thing, like, there have been noises about considering military action against China, which is the, the stupidest goddamn thing I've ever heard. But... Here we are in the dumbest fucking timeline. <sighs> it's God. so, yeah, like, not, and, and we even called this. We've been saying that since, like, the first episode, that if we get into an economic crisis, Trump will inevitably start a stupid trade war that will fuck things up because that's all he knows. And because he doesn't actually know what the fuck he's doing, he's going to fuck it up. So, yeah, that's where we are, is that we may be watching, like, all this shit that's happened so far, all this, like, 20% unemployment and everything else. Guess what? That's, like, the middle of the beginning. We're still in, like, the opening crawl before it gets to the part where the doomsday device is getting rolled out and John Williams is receding to the background. Oh, yes. So, like, yeah. And, (laughs) you know, nothing really better hits that home than to follow the trample of the hoofprints of the black horse. Oh, boy. So, we've got a few items. First one is the new reflation, uh, the new inflation report. Um, Apparently, it's the highest since world war ii but um i haven't seen it yet could you would you mind explaining it it's really bad so what we're seeing and we got to keep in mind the inflation report is slightly cooked because they do shit like use steak as the baseline for the cost of meat instead of hamburger meat or something that's more commonly purchased so we have to keep in mind the cpi at least for american numbers it was a little suspect but even that we're seeing a spike this big that's this unprecedented is still huge because what this means is a lot of basic commodities like milk eggs bread like are going up at dramatic rates particularly eggs and meat are the ones that led the way like this isn't like inflation in terms of like the stuff that's usually been leading inflation of things like tuition rates and shit going through the ceiling this is legitimately the price of bread will be going up, has been going up, is going up. Like, the local market, like, it's just down the street from my house. Like, within the last, like, couple weeks, like, the cost of every single thing under the meat counter, without exception, has gone up at least one or two dollars a pound. Um, yeah, like, every... Like, what I'm noticing a lot is that a lot of stuff has just completely come off sale. Um I hardly ever, like, I see it sometimes for, like, you know, easy stuff to prepare that's, like, you know, that's probably been spending, like, a few months in a warehouse somewhere. Um, But, like, as far as, you know, stuff that has to be there in a certain period or it's, 
you know, no good anymore. Yeah, there's no doing, there's no more deals. Like it's just, yeah, you you pay this much, you pay the retail price, and the retail price is fuck you basically. Yeah. So and we saw that we fucking saw this in the two thousand eight two thousand nine crisis. Which is why I'm a little mad at myself for not noticing this earlier. Uh, but that took like, that took several months to get going. How long has yeah. it been since this started? Like three months, no, five months. But this, this, uh, these like inflation numbers are for the first quarter. So this isn't even like to date. This is Fuck. like. Yeah, so thing, there's still room for shit to go totally off the rails. And this goes back to shit like what's happening with meatpacking and all these like disruptions happening in supply chains and shit. That this is, like, the American food system is such a sh- fucking shamble cluster of a shit show that all it would take is a serious shock. And we have a serious shock. Yeah. So it's like we're staring down the barrel of inflation going up in real terms, but in terms of like servicing all, say, all that credit card debt or your car note or your home loan, if you if you somehow got a home loan, you know, like like this is the like this is the kind <laughs> of yeah the, we are in the kind of trends where all those things are now going to be in danger because people are going to have to make the choice between rent and food yeah and or at the very or let's it's not going to reach that point immediately it's going to start with shit like if you're like somebody who's really well off you're probably going to be like fine i won't buy organic anymore because i can't afford it if you're not then it's going to be like well i can get the freeze-dried shit over the fresh shit um and uh, if you're way at the bottom, it's, well, I'll just get less ramen this week than I usually do. And what that translates into, in the middle of a fucking pandemic, is people are not getting proper nutrition. People are not eating enough. People are going to be eating below the level that they're used to. And that's going to continue to cascade as food prices go up. You're going to continue to see this kind of downward momentum. And that's going to make people more vulnerable to yeah. an already dangerous and weird as fuck virus. Yeah. And I mean like, there there is some good news. Yeah. Um like California's done something pretty interesting. Oh yeah. Our our good friend like Kaiser Newsom is like continuing to like like, at this point, I'm just waiting for his press conferences to start with California Uberales. Um <laughs> Sooner or later, it's going to happen. He's going to be heralded by the suede denim police, the secret police. And it's going to be official. Um, and I look forward to being absorbed into greater California. The borders of Magna California will stop at the Continental Divide. And not one foot short of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, what did they do? The so since like the beginning of the month, and we mentioned beginning of May, and we mentioned this it, last week. 
that the California state government has set up this program where it is um, going to commercial farmers who have been disproportionately just fucking whacked by this crisis because again like we've said before american food production has two different supply chains one is the retail sector which is the stuff you see at the supermarkets the other is the commercial sector which is for like catering and restaurants and fast food and all that shit um and the commercial side has been hit in the teeth with this so what the state of california has done is they've gone to them and said okay fine we will purchase anything you can't sell and then we're going to give it to food banks to make sure people don't fucking starve. Because you have food. There are people who need food. There are people with less money to pay for food. So let's, you know, let's yeah, there's like... There's a fire of last resort now. Yeah, let, let's like, you know, round out this circle here and open the Castle Granaries. Um, and the state officials went to the feds and were like, hey... This is a great idea. Would you like to give us some money to make sure people don't fucking starve? And this is like in the Washington Post. Um, the USDA turned around and went, no, we're not going to do that. Fuck you. Because, you know, like far be it for the Trump administration to do something useful ever. Um, so the state of California goes, well, okay, we're, we're skilled, still going to do it. Because we don't want to see people fucking starving and dying. Like... That's the level that we're at, that, like, a display of good governance is going, yes, I would like there not to be people starving in the street on top of a pandemic. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <sighs> like, like, I can't stress enough, when we're talking up, like, our boy Julius Newsom who may or may not end up stabbed in the Sacramento legislature at some point. Um, Kevin assume, McCarthy. Uh, assuming he doesn't make it all the way to uh, D.C. and then gets stabbed in D.C. by Kevin McCarthy um, at the head of the California State Guards. Um, like, assuming that doesn't happen, like, the, we, you gotta remember, like, you know, he's succeeding at not actively killing people. <laughs> This is the level of that. This is like the level that we're at of what we're praising. Of we're like, wow, you're using state resources to keep people from starving needlessly. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty cool. Um, it, it's cool. It's really. I mean, this kind of shit is a like the wealthiest, most populous state at that. But like a U.S. state going, yeah, we're just actively replacing a chunk of the commercial supply chain the end yeah and it's like there's not that much stopping other states from doing it but like the main problem is, is you really have to coordinate that shit and i don't doubt that california could probably offer you know some tips on how to do it to like you know the rest of the pact but, like, Alabama is not going to do it, for instance. Yeah. Like, it's... As much as we try to focus on economics here, this is where we get into the political economy of when you're talking state and national governments who have been actively operating under the philosophy of government should be shrunk down to the size that you could drown it in a bathtub, mm -hmm. then 
there is going to be a disproportionately different response between states that believe in having this thing called functioning public services. And again, this is like, this is a thing that's praiseworthy in these times purely because of how low the bar is. This isn't like, we're not sitting here going, oh my god, Daddy Newsom, do it again. Um, <laughs> we're we're not mean, doing some, like, like, thirsty Cuomo shit here, but... Um, yeah, I mean, it, it sort of feels like the bare minimum on, on some level. Like, this is, this is what government should be doing in a lot of countries. They do do things like this. Yeah. But that... it's like... You know, we've drunk the Kool-Aid to the point where, you know, we won't even consider it, but Newsom bucked the trend. He was like, no. Yeah. No, let's let's do it. Let's be legends. Like, this is what happens when you take Margaret Thatcher's There's No Such Thing as a Society seriously. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's what we're seeing happening, and it's really fucking grotesque and it's killing people and you know even with all that market worship even with all these people like standing around and doing the chants and bringing forth the sacred vestments and instruments um that still didn't stop one of the fucking cardinals of capitalism like an absolute like has probably added to the sacred texts by his living example like he could be said to be a living saint has lost faith in the market. <laughs> of course, we speak of Warren Buffett. Oh, <laughs> I mean, it's pretty definitive when you exit, when you discard like five sixths of your position to um, whatever idiot will hold the bag for you. Um, like that's. That's power walking to the exits of time. Mm-hmm. Because That's... Uh, he's he's like he's a long-term investor. He tends to hold long positions. And now he's exiting them all of a sudden. Like, what does that tell you? Like, anyone who's watched Warren Buffett's investment strategy will tell you this guy didn't get blown out by the housing crisis because he wasn't wrapped up in it in the first place. He, this is the guy who went, yeah, I'm just doing the blue chips and the safest possible investments. I'm not, st-. like, he's got to be the only high profile capitalist who engages in finance that doesn't resort to fucking sorcery. Like, yeah. He is literally like that old-fashioned good safe investor who buys the stupid little bonds that sit in your safety deposit box kind of shit. Like he he's re- and he's really good at picking his blue chips. Totally. Like that's why there's people that are like following him around like Saint Buffett. So the fact that he is suddenly completely reversing the fact that like I mean, even like you said, like even when he's he does he doesn't just do long positions. He'll just be like, right, I'm just gonna like buy a giant fucking stake and like ignore it for a while and yeah. walk away and let it just like accumulate capital over there because I bought such a huge fucking chunk out of like whoever the fuck it is that I am showing my favor upon 
and you could actually almost say it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy up until recently that if Buffett's dropping money on you, then you're going to get investment because Buffett dropped money on you. So for yeah. him to be doing the exact opposite of everything he's said, even like his fucking quarterly message was not this pessimistic. Yeah. Like is like if I were one of the people Goldman Sachs, <laughs> Boeing, um, who just got like screwed by Buffett bailing out, I would be like, you know, packing my bags and yeah. liquidating any like unnecessary assets and you know, seeking penance. Well, um, I guess May Market Grub- have mercy uh, on my soul. Getting their um, FA eighteen line back. And, and this is Boeing. And the Boeing he... owns. Like the thing with Boeing is, like they, they're probably going to get bailed out, but the bailout is going to be basically them shredded, and like basically, you know, Lock Lockmart and Northrop Grumman gets to like, um, basically, you know, take whatever they want. Um, Lockheed will probably take like their you know, commercial and cargo plane division and then um, or at least, you know, the parts of it that are, like, relevant to their interests. And then Norbert Grumman takes, like, their fighter plane assets and things like that and then the rest is, you know, spun off into some, you know, restructured company that oh, by the way, um, we just dissolved the the Everett plant so like you don't have a union anymore like fuck you Uh, and the fact that he is giving the finger to Goldman Sachs is like oh yeah those they're not getting a bailout oh no they're fucked they are utterly fucked and this isn't like you know we've been like kind of hunting around to see who's going to be the Lehman Brothers of this crisis and I think we just found them because yeah. to have Warren Buffett turn around and give you the fucking finger in the middle of an economic crisis, and you're one of the yeah. biggest hedge funds on Wall Street, <laughs> that's like, dude, draw a bath. It's time for some Depeche Mode. Maybe, uh, like, you turn on a generator yeah. and close the door. I mean, I'm not going to tell you how you're going to do it. I would personally prefer, I personally prefer my CEO suicides to involve tall buildings and windows, but you know, to each their own. Yeah, like, you gotta respect the classics. But yeah, so, yeah, I mean, however a CEO, whether you're a fucking Wall Street sorcerer, or you've sold your soul to black gold, I mean, however it is you want to exit the mortal plane, that's a personal choice. And I'm totally not saying that Trent Reznor and Heroin's a great combo for that. Very true. Uh, Speaking of death. (sighs) The Pale Rider cometh. So, most of y'all have probably seen that JCPenney has filed for bankruptcy. Um... From what I understand, this 
this is probably not the end yet because they didn't go the usual route of like getting eaten by a private equity firm. But this is the part where that happens. Usually. But they might not... Uh, and that's that's assuming they find a suitor, basically. A suitor to, you know, asset strip them and kill them, basically. Yeah. Like, assuming <laughs> enough vultures arrive, that is. Assuming the vultures aren't dead, too. But it's, like, and it's important to mention, like, this is showing up in all the business press that... Just like we've been saying about this economy, J.C. Penny fighting the dust was a long time coming, and is part of this oh, bigger yeah. retail crisis. And they were hoping that their shitty holiday numbers would be recovered by, like, improving numbers in twenty twenty. Yeah, in quarter one, quarter two, like this is. This I mean, is about that's... the period period where business should be picking up as, you know, the summer season. Um, yeah. I mean, know, never... Um, starts building, but... Never mind that if you're a big retailer <laughs> and you're having to utter the words, these two quarters will make up for our bad holiday quarter. Those are all... That's already, <laughs> like, you should be calling your lawyers and getting ready to liquidate assets if you're having to even utter those words as a retailer. So... Speaking of which, the part of the reason this is happening is because one of the heroic measures that businesses like these tend to do is they close stores. Um, they cut the least profitable ones and lay off most of the workers and then use the rest to basically conduct a liquidation sale. Um I don't know about you, but I wouldn't go to a liquidation sale right now um, for any purpose. Oh, no. I mean, I mean not unless online, they do it maybe, online. but <laughs> definitely, definitely not in, like, meat space. That's not happening right now. And I mean, it's, it's not like you're going to hawk this shit anyway. No one's going to be buying. Yeah. I mean, like, the economy... The economy went into the toilets, and I mean, even if there were deals, like, they they aren't open, you know, like, nothing's open. I mean, hell, oh, aren't, aren't malls closed right now? Like, aren't quite, quite a few of those closed? So, like, they can't open either. And this is like, I mean, like Elon Musk doing his fucking grandstanding that we've talked about for like reopening his plants because he wants to make cars. Like it runs into the same problem that Tracy Penny's and everyone else is forcing into bankruptcy over is there is no fucking market to sell in. It doesn't matter if the lockdown orders are listed. Nobody's fucking buying because there's no certainty in the market. Because people are going, fuck it, I'm going to spend my money on flour because I can use it to make fucking bread. Or Instead I, of going... buying that new iPhone, they're stockpiling on toilet paper or something. So, yeah. And, I mean, even if they're not doing that, they're taking their grandma or great-grandma's advice and they're moving their liquid assets to the first bank of your mattress if they're not moving to a credit union and credit unions don't do stupid shit with money that neoliberal capitalism needs 
Yeah. So it's the it, all this shit, and, and General Electric is getting it too. And you would think that GE would be able to ride this out, but they're stop. They haven't declared bankruptcy yet, but we're gonna put them on the death watch list over here because their stock price yeah. has just been eating like a fucking boatload of shit this week. It's just been amazing. Like this is a company that for I don't know. My entire life has been one of those ones that's held up as like a barometer for the health of the American economy. Yeah, it's a blue chip. Yeah, it's it always is, been there. But how it, could it not be there? Like the this like GE is so blue chip that it may as well be British royalty. Yeah. And now it's about to eat a bunch of shit because of the fucking airline industry. We already talked about Boeing. And it's possible death spiral. Um, but really, that's a problem in the airline industry in general. And like they are sort of resuming flights, but they're not resuming very many of them. Um, they've been forced to go, some are forced to go to ghost flights. Um, and you can't really get deals on ghost flights anymore because there's no demand um but the problem is the other problem is they're not running enough flights for their pilots to maintain something called currency a uh, currency is when like okay when you become a pilot and you have your multi-engine certificate um that multi-engine certificate isn't enough to operate a modern plane. You also, they also would rather see that you are type certified, which means that you are current on this particular plane model. You know the 777 inside and out. You know, um, like the Airbus A320 inside and out, or the A380, or, um, 787, um, or the 737 MAX, you know this plane. And so they can trust you with flying this very expensive bit of hardware because you're current on it. And the problem is, is that currency expires 90 days after your last flight or training event. Now, the airlines have pretty much all closed their flight training centers because of social distancing requirements. And they're not flying as many routes because they're flying the bare minimum to keep their line allocation. Um, that's if they're not just discarding it entirely. So what's going to happen is a whole bunch of pilots are going to be out of work soon. And they're just going to be able to pick over um, who they want, who they don't want, um, who has a union card, who doesn't. Uh, who bitches too much at work? Who doesn't? Especially because airline travel is not going to retain rebound any time soon. I mean, the fact that Buffett was bailing out on Boeing says yeah. it all. Like, yeah. I mean, Boeing was already in trouble because of the whole 727 recall. Like, that was one that, like... Yeah, the 737 MAX. Yeah, the 737 MAX. And that was one that was, like, already, like, speaking just from, like, you know, the experience of seeing how they do travel in Europe, 
is that shit depends on like EasyJet and Ryanair and all these mm-hmm. other like short haul 737s and planes of that size were their workhorse. So losing that, which is where you, where like Boeing easily was like making their bread and butter there because there's way more of these short haul lines than there are of the big fat jumbo jets that do the transatlantic flights. So everyone's going to be eating shit in the airline industry. Like I wouldn't be at all surprised if at least one country just says fuck it and nationalizes their airline industry simply because there's no way for it to work that's profitable without shoveling money into a furnace perpetually and like part of the reason buffett was so bearish on boeing wasn't just because okay they're having a bit of trouble because of the 737 max debacle um and you know not making like mcas training and the additional sensor mandatory like you know, that's that's a technical issue that can be solved if, you know, they they stay quiet and don't have any more fuck ups like that or the seven eighty seven lithium battery fire shit. Yeah. Then they'll be fine. They'll be fine. They'll be in the game still. They'll still be competing with Airbus and, you know, the rivalry will continue and everything will be fine. But that only matters if the airlines are canceling orders, which they kind of are right now. And in the wake of all of this catastrophe and woe, cometh how. How all follows. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) So... There was a fairly interesting piece in the... <laughs> oh, come on. You go to watch the Batman movies for the Joker, and you watch the Disney movies for the villain songs. Yeah. So there was a fairly interesting article on The Intercept that we kind of skipped um, on May 1st, um, which is kind of our bad, but we genuinely didn't notice it until now. Uh, but it's a little bit perennial. So it's still worth discussing. I'm talking about... Oh, it's just so, like... <laughs> it's amazing. It's <sighs> it's every bit of Sean Floyd I've ever wanted to feel for, like, those anti-union assholes. It, it is, like, squarely fits in the land of crying stockbroker king. Yes. <laughs> okay and and this is like so coming from this like absolute shit ass so we got this one from like where the intercept who does really good shit like quite a few of our like what we've gotten has been scooped from the intercept um Like, they're really good at digging around in people's fucking garbage and dumping it out. So this is from, like, some shit ass named Rick Berman, who is a lobbyist that, according to them, has waged war against labor unions on behalf of business clients for decades, which is, like, a more fancy way of saying he's a Pinkerton in a nice suit. Yes. He's a fucking union-busting prick who, in any other time, 
would have been using a revolver and dynamite instead of subpoenas and uh, bribes. Not to mention that, so, you know, the, the anti-union grift is a very strong one. It's, it's a oh, yeah. very big industry because it's such a giveaway. And the CEOs, they, they see it as very important that this happen, but they don't actually get that much for their money. They really could bring this stuff in house, mm-hmm. but it's so much easier yeah. uh, to justify things if you bring in consultants, and that's what this guy is. And really, the fact that these people exist is the kind of thing that proves capitalism is not actually that efficient. Because the better thing to do from a macroeconomic perspective would just be to meet the unions halfway, give people awesome benefits and living wages that scale with inflation and all that other shit, and then they'll be spending money in their local economies, and they won't be doing, like, you know, wildcat strikes and shit, but instead they're like, no, we're gonna, like, pay it to these, like, fucking Pinkertons in suits. So, like, this is, so, like, The Intercept, our good friends at The Intercept, not only, like, do amazing work, they actually dug up Mr. Berman's memo with berman and company dated april 20th 2020 where he introduces the subject by saying the article below edit for brevity suggests there is some new leveraging by unions off of current employee insecurities the ufcw as well as the seiu are of potential concern for food companies from the quote farm to the plate some points to consider while you're being distracted by financial and operations issues. This is the first time since the early 1980s where I sent significant interest by employees in quote-unquote collective action and third-party representation. Gallup polling show in 2019 shows the 18 to 34 demographic has a 69% approval of unions. In 2017, 76% of those joining unions were younger than 35. Employees who feel they will be exposed to co-workers or customers who have the virus are communicating on Facebook and other platforms about their jointly held concerns. Union organizers have access to these conversations and are making themselves available to help. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, yes. Most current HR professionals have no history in dealing with a partial workforce rebellion. This will most likely happen in individual companies or it could be a wider industry movement in a city or region. The... (laughs) The good news is that most unions do not have competent union organizing staff that is skilled in managing this opportunity. However, any attempts, even if poorly executed, to organize any part of your company brings inevitable disruption, employee suspicion of co-workers, distrust of management, and a loss of and productivity. A loss of productivity. <laughs> 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 can we like make this porn oh god <laughs> um so checking and you know he's not wrong this absolute fucking bloodsucker is not wrong at yeah. all in fact he's kind of right in a fucked up 
most backwards way possible. Yeah. Um, and the rest of it is basically the articles and also he's like, our company history includes us working with major law firms and others to deny the Teamsters, SEIU, Unite Here, USCW, and the UAW the opening to unionize employees who do not have a full understanding of the liabilities. And then he's fapping about his um, third party education outreach. You know, those bullshit films you watch uh, when you get hired by another um, you know, retail bitch job. That's that's what uh, And nothing from. really <laughs> emphasizes what a fucking Jeffy douchebag he is, like, that he signs it off with, like, dash dash Rick. Yeah. I mean, like, I... Like, he's your fucking buddy with a spaceship or something. Yeah. Like, I mean, I sign my emails that way, but I'm I'm casual, and I, I'm not a fucking... I'm not a fucking scab humper, like this prick. Yeah. Uh, I'm not this prick. So, yeah, and he's right, actually. In the most, like I said, in the most fucked up, wrong-ass way possible, he has arrived at the correct conclusion that, you know, like we've said before, 2020 has seen more strikes so far than the entire past decade. Oh, yes. We've seen more strikes in the last three months than at any point in American history since the 1950s. Like, we're approaching, like, like Great Depression levels of labor militancy. Uh, when people were literally taking over fucking factories and holding pickets with guns and shit. And, like, and, th- like, the nothing, like, better really emphasizes this than a wildcat strike that's broken out in Yakima County, Washington, among agricultural workers. Oh, yeah. So what's it about? So what happened is there were a number of agricultural workers who are, you know, essential workers because if food doesn't get grown, we yes. die. The end. That, that This thing called, you know, society since, you know, we invented crops sort of depends on people like the workers on strike in Yakima. And what happened was they've been having to go out and work and they've been having to stay out in the fields. And these are people who already being treated like shit like a lot of them are probably migrant workers we're talking very non-unionized circumstances and starting on wednesday may 13th workers at the monson fruit company in yakima county walked out and picketed their workplace and it wasn't just in one particular workplace for the Monson Fruit Company. Something like six different sites saw mass walkouts and work stoppages. And as of time of recording, based on the latest reporting that we have from Yakima County, we have now confirmed strike actions at 13 locations by non-organized agricultural workers staging a completely illegal wildcat strike because their working conditions are unsafe in time of plague. Yes. Working conditions that we that need to be safe so that we can eat. Yes. Like that's what this is about. And good luck to them. Like they oh they should have what they need. And like this is this is not negotiable. They uh, they need to whatever their demands are. They need to capitulate immediately. 
they won't because you know all bosses are bastards or <laughs> like the bosses won't give it to them unless people in yakima county unless people in the fucking pacific northwest stand with them there's no strike has ever won without community solidarity and these are people who are the most frontline workers out there short of being medical workers like without them nobody eats nobody lives so this is this is probably not going to be the only agricultural workers strike happening this is not the first time since this show started that we've seen strikes happening by essential workers and this is the thing that really does need to be happening is that if you are in essential labor you need to be exercising that to demand that your work is actually safe and they need you right now they can't fire you it's not like they can replace supply chain workers when the supply chain can't be allowed to be disrupted anymore yeah so that's the show Until next time yeah sounds good bringing you the four horsemen of the capitalist apocalypse and the hell that follows. You read this shit so you don't have to. This was Chop Shop Economics. Bye, everyone.